Today I'd like for us to consider the fact that God came down from heaven and became flesh for 33 plus years. And there's a lot of passages in scriptures that will make absolutely no sense if you don't understand that God came down and, and dwelt in this human being that was called Jesus. And Jesus was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. And I want you to try to understand how mind-blowing that is. And the people he encountered had their minds blown. And I don't think I can get up here and explain it all to you, but I believe it. And he did it, and he had to do it, or else we'd still be in our sins. There's no way around it. So my opening passage is be taking from 1 Kings 8.27. Chapter 8 is a great big prayer that uh, Solomon is offering up before God's temple was being um, um, surrendered for service. It was the dedication service. And I'm taking one line out of there. And verse 27 says, but will God indeed dwell on earth? Sorry, that's dwell. Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee much, how much less this house that I have builded. So what happened was Solomon was giving this dedication service and he's talking about this, this God, this infinite God infinite in time, infinite in wisdom, infinite in being, infinite in creation. And he created this little bitty building called a temple. And he said, this is going to be God's home. And basically he says, God cannot fit in this building. He's just beyond all measure. But this is a place where he will come and visit once in a while. And over the years, priests will go in once a year and meet the holiest of holies and all that service. Well, He was saying that about a physical building, a physical temple. But I want to say the same thing about a physical body, a mortal being called Jesus Christ. How can an infinite God indwell in a little child? How can an infinite God dwell in a 12-year-old child? How can it dwell in a 30-year-old man? I don't know, but it did. And I sit there and I'm trying to think, you know, I'm thinking when he was born and he was a baby, he was still God. And I I, I don't know. I don't know. I I can't imagine looking at Simeon and Simeon going into the temple and seeing this little baby that's probably, it was her purification. So I'm guessing he's about 40 days old, according to the Jewish law. So at 40 days, Simeon sees him in the temple and he's saying, and he was looking for babies for years. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, that's the one. And he looked at, I don't know. And that little baby, was, was the baby have infinite wisdom and in looking at him and reading his mind as a eight day old or a 40 day old baby? I don't know. I don't understand that. And then I think about Jesus Christ when he was, got lost from his parents and he was in the temple at 12 years old and he was talking to the, um, the, the, the Jewish uh, lawyers and the scribes and the Pharisees and he was having that conversation. 
Now I know, being a former teacher, 12-year-olds think they know everything. But this 12-year-old did know everything, right? And he was in there with all these PhDs, and he knew it backward and forward because he wrote it, but yet he was, I don't, it's just, it's just mind-blowing. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing how the God of heaven came down and went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. And at the end of 40 days, he's still God. But after the 40 days, he was hungry. How does that happen? Well, the only way that happens is he's 100% God and he's 100% human. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I believe it. So what I'd like to do is I want to go to some passages that I just would really like you to try to reflect and, and, and just try to think about his time here on earth. What a, when we read Philippians 2, we realize just the fact that he came to earth was a very humbling thing that he did. It was an act of obedience. Okay, I want to look at four verses, and, and I've been reading the book of Luke for the last couple months. So all these references that I'm going to today are from the book of Luke. Okay. And the first passage I would like to read is chapter 4. I want to read 20 and 22. Jesus went into the temple. This is at the beginning of his ministry. And it says, he got into the temple and he sat down and he read some scripture. Then he closed the book, the scroll. And he gave it again to the minister and he sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Skipping down to verse 22. All bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? The man, Jesus Christ, had no education. He was a blue-collar worker with calluses on his calluses. He did not go to the colleges. He did not study under the great theologians. And he went into the temple and he read some scripture and he expounded words. And when he expounded, people were just shocked and amazed that he spoke and preached with power unlike them. And they're thinking, how can this be? He is just a blue collar worker with no education. And the reason how this can be is because he was 100% man, but he was 100% God. That's the only way. So you cannot just say, okay, God spoke. No, the Lord would have you read. Can you write things on your heart? Absolutely. But you and I, we're stuck reading the Bible and studying it and hearing preaching and hearing other preachers and, 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 and doing that. We, we can't go open up the head and pour it in, God, right? We can't rely on that. He may do that on an occasion, but don't count on it. We've got to study the Bible. But Jesus, being that man, did not have to. Second witness, chapter 8, 24 and 25. They were going from one preaching point to another preaching appointment. He was on a ship. And, and, you know, uh, this is another thing. He was in the ship, and as they were going on the ship, a great big storm came, and they got afraid. They thought they were going to drown. And Jesus is in the bottom of the ship, and he's sleeping. And I thought, wait a second, God doesn't sleep or slumber. Well, he doesn't, but Jesus did. How can that be? Because he was tired. But God doesn't sleep because he was 100% man and 100% God. 
So, and they went and came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. They ceased and there was a calm. And he said, where is your faith? They being afraid wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water and they obey him. And they got half of it right. He was a man, but he was also God, right? He was a man and God. Not only did he have perfect knowledge of the word of God, he had perfect authority over the elements of the world because he made the world too. And he can say, wind, stop. He can say, rain, stop. He can say, momentum on the waves, stop. Glass. And they looked and they says, what kind of man he is? And the thing was, is he wasn't just a man. He was a God man. Okay. Chapter 9, 42 and 43. And as he was coming, the devil threw down. This was a man that was possessed of the devil and it teared him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and he healed the child and he delivered to him his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God and wondered everyone at all things which Jesus did. Do you remember when, 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 when men tried to tackle some unclean spirits? What happened? They got beat up and they got stripped of their clothes and they ran out naked, right? And they tied up other people with bonds and fetters and chains and, and, and these unclean spirits would break them wide open and along comes Jesus Christ and he said, get out of him. And the devils did it. And they go, what kind of man is this? And again, I say, they got half of it right. Right? In the prayer requests, there's a lot of folks that just don't believe Jesus was God and man. They just believe he was a good man. No, good men cannot do these kind of things. They don't know the Bible forward and backward. They do not have conquering power over the elements of the earth. They do not have conquering power over unclean spirits. He was more than a good man. And the last one I'd like to look at with the word wonder. This is in chapter 24, 40 and 41. This is after his resurrection. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered and said unto them, have ye here any meat? <laughs> Resurrected Jesus Christ evidently was hungry. <laughs> Do you think he really needed food to sustain his life? No, he was, life was already taken away from him. But at this point, he was still man and he was 100% God too. So even in this resurrected state, he says, give me some food. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Right? But, but that's who came to earth and dwelt on the earth for somewhere between 33 and 34 years. And he ministered and he turned the world upside down. He, he, he ended the... The, 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 the Old Testament era and he ushered in the New Testament era he gave us the hope that you know what you can't keep all those Old Testament commandments 
Matter of fact, I don't even think he can keep half of them. But Jesus Christ came to earth and he fulfilled every single one. How can that be? Because he's 100% man and he's 100% God. Only God could, could fulfill and, and obey every jot and tittle. And thank God he did because it took a man like that to be able to go to the cross and make the sacrifice that would get us to glory. Okay? So that is the God-man. The God-man caused wonder. Okay? So his gracious words, the conquering uh, power over the elements, the conquering power over evil spirits, and then also the conquering over death. Conquering over death. Okay? Let's look at some of the attributes of the God-man. Okay? First one I like to go to is in chapter 5. I've got 3 through 6 here, but this is really comes through 5 and 6. Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. <clears throat> I want you to think about this, okay? By trade. I've got two secular backgrounds. I've got one secular background for about 20 years. I was in investment banking. And then I was about 20 years, I was in education. So if one of you come to me and you say, Brother Dolph, how do I teach this algebra problem? I would give you a layout of a good way to tackle that thing. But if you came to me and you say, how do I fix this carburetor? Guess what? I don't know. But if I would go to someone like Brian that's got background with automotive, or I would go to someone like Brother Andrew that's got a background in carpentry, and they're working with something on a carburetor, and he's working on a problem in carpentry, and I walk up with my math education and my investment banking, and I tell him exactly how to build this whole house or how to fix this carburetor, you go, wow, how do you do that? Because I watched a YouTube video. No, I, that's not why, right? I don't. But here's Jesus, a blue-collar worker, a carpenter, that taught a seasoned fisherman the art of catching fish. How can he do that? Because he's God. He's man and God. Think of the things he did from a natural perspective. No wonder the people looked at him and they go, Whoa. And the people stood in awe. Sometimes when they saw what he was doing, they were afraid of him. Sometimes they gravitated to him. Sometimes the Pharisees were jealous of him. <laughs> let's, let's keep on going. I want to save that comment for later. Okay, I'm still in Luke chapter 6, 6 through 8. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him, but he knew their thoughts. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that something? So, I would personally never get in an argument with a guy like that. Not only does he have perfect knowledge of the Bible, he has perfect knowledge of what I'm thinking before I say it. I don't think I'm going to win too many arguments with that guy. Right? And the Jews got frustrated. That's why he gave so many fantastic answers. He avoided so many ways. But he was God and he was man. Those are the attributes of him. Okay? 
chapter 6, 18 and 19. And they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and he healed them all. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit of difference about the miracles I see. Do you remember when Jesus sent the disciples, the 12 disciples, out two by two? He gave them powers over healing and unclean spirits. And then some 70 came along, and he sent those two, and it was almost the exact same charge, and he gave them powers over healing and unclean spirits. Well, they would lay hands on people, and as I read about that, they would do that, and they would heal people. But when Jesus did it, Jesus wouldn't have to touch them. Sometimes they would touch Jesus. And sometimes he would walk by and it was simply his shadow would fly over top of them and they would get healed. What kind of man is that? And it wasn't a man. It wasn't just a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. These miracles are just, when you just think about what he did those 33 years while I was here, it just, I just, it's amazing. And I always laugh. You know, the Bible says Joseph did not know Mary until after the birth of Jesus. And we see many places where I believe Jesus had brothers and sisters. I would have hated being Jesus' brother. Every time I said he did it, they know what I'd be lying Every time I said he started it, they know I'd be lying. Right? I wonder if they ever said, can't you be more like Jesus? Oh, you know that guy? But he was perfect. How could he be perfect? Because he was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. Don't know. 23, 46 and 47 And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having thus, he gave up the ghost. And when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. Jesus had the ability to give up his life. I don't know of any men that can do that. Now, I can tell you the story about when my father finally passed. He was fighting it and fighting it and fighting it right at the end. And I, I said, Mom, tell him you love him. Tell him it's okay to go. You'll be okay. She did, and very shortly after, he stopped breathing. But that's not like what Jesus just did. He had the power to give up his life. And he says, okay, this is it. And he gave up his spirit. How does that happen? Man can't do that, but God can. The God-man can, and the God-man did. So, we look at some of the things of his attributes. It's, it's, it's um, his word, his new thoughts, the virtue went out of him, and his, his power over death, life and death. Okay? So, I want to talk to you about the sovereignty of this God-man. The sovereignty of this God-man. I'd like to read chapter 1, 34 and 35. Mary, how shall this be, saying, I know not a man? The angel said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. The holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
I don't know, there's, there's, there's 8 billion people on this planet now and you add up all the other people that's lived in the prior millennium. I don't know how many billions of people that is. But how many of them were born without a father and a mother? I want to throw Adam in there, but he wasn't really born, was he? He was just made out of some dirt, right? None. The Holy Ghost came upon Mary and formed that creature. And the reason why that happened, because he was born like any other man, he would have Adam's genetics. Adam's genetics were tainted, and he would not be a perfect offering for our sin. The only one that had ever happened. That's the sovereignty of the God-man. Chapter 2, 25 through 32 there was a man in Jerusalem, Simeon was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Here's a guy that wanted to die. He couldn't say, Lord, here I commend to you my spirit. No, he was stuck on earth. Paul said, I'm in a strait between picks two. I'm ready to be offered up. He says, nope, you can't offer up. You're the only God. The man could do that. And here we have it, right here. I don't know how many babies came through. But here's this just and devout man. And he sees baby after baby after baby after baby. And all of a sudden, here comes this little boy. 40 days old. And he said, that's the one. That's the one. mind-blowing chapter 3 21 and 22 jesus also being baptized and praying and heaven was opened up the holy ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came down from heaven saying thou art my beloved son and thee um, i am well pleased when jesus was baptized it was almost like the trinity was coming down and laying hands on jesus now, I got baptized, and it was a pretty special day, and I'm sure all of you got baptized, and it was a pretty special day. But how many did the Holy Ghost come down in the form of a dove in light so everybody could see, and God spoke from heaven that when you got baptized? I don't even think it thundered when I got baptized, right? But God spoke and said, that's my son. That's the sovereignty of the God-man. This is anointing. Chapter 4. 40 and 41. All they that were had sick and were, had diseases were brought to Jesus. He laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils came out and many crying out, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus rebuking them suffered them not to speak. Even the devils recognized it. God came down from heaven at his baptism. Simeon said, that's the one. John the Baptist said, that's the one. And the devil even said, that's the one. It's one thing when your friends give a testimony, but when your enemies give a testimony too, you know it's the real deal. That's the sovereignty of God. I'm working with that cable. I made it work. And then finally, chapter 23, 43, and 44. About the sixth hour, there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, 
and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. Here's the sovereignty of the God-man. When he was on that cross for the last three hours of his life, it's like the sun, S-U-N, bowed down his head in reverence to the sun, S-O-N. And he cast its light. That's the sovereignty. I don't know of any other man that it happened to, but it happened to the God-man. That's the sovereignty of him. Even the elements bowed down to say, that's my maker. Okay. So, lessons of the God-man he modeled for us. Okay, this is, this is, <clears throat> this is the application. Okay, when, 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 I, when I present a message to you, my, my goal, my sincere desire is that I want you to learn more about Jesus Christ but just simply to learn more about Jesus Christ and not be able to appreciate it and apply it to your life is only like running half the race. It's, it's, it's like, you get, oh, so what? Now what? That's the question I want to do. So, so we learned about Jesus Christ and we understand that him being on earth, it created wonder. We understand that when he was down here, he had attributes that only God-man could have. And we understand when he was on earth, there was a sovereignty that he had that no other man... But now what? What's that got to do with me? Well, I've got four more things I'd like for you to look at. These are all from the book of Luke. The first one was in chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know, that's something that you and I can both do today. We can grow in favor with God and man. Why would God, man, have to grow in favor with God. He was God because he was still a man and he was submissive to his heavenly father. Why would a God-man have to grow in favor with man? Because he was a man and by modeling love and kindness, he's glorifying his heavenly father. So what did he do? He conducted himself honestly he conducted himself with patience and he stood for truth. We can do those things. You think, well, wait a second, whenever I stand for truth, I don't grow in honor with man. Matter of fact, they usually get mad with me. And I will say in the short term, yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a workplace where people got aggravated me, but it's really funny. When those same people get in a jam, guess who they get advice from? They go to the one that's following God. Okay? That's one thing we can learn. We can grow in favor with God and man. Number two. Chapter four, one and two. Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost and he returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, tempted 40 days by the devil, and he ate nothing and afterwards he fasted. Jesus Christ fasted. Huh. I remember once I preached on fasting, this was back down in Georgia. <laughs> and I don't think this particular church ever heard much preaching on fasting. And there was a young guy there. And after the sermon, <clears throat> I heard him talking to his mother. This is a teenage boy, probably close to a senior in high school. And he goes to his mom and he says, this guy actually expects us to do it. 
<laughs> and I did another. I said, Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reading the scripture, right? Fasting. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, denied his physical flesh. Why? He was God. Why did he do it? He modeled that lesson for us. He was denying himself for us. Okay? Do do you see, think about the timing, okay? At this particular time, when, when he got baptized, the first thing he did when he got baptized, he went in the wilderness and he fasted for the 40 days and he prayed. You know what basically he was doing? He was getting ready to kickstart his ministry, and he started his ministry with a 40-day prayer and fasting vigil. He was going to go at it for pretty close to three, three and a half years. And he was going to pick his disciples, and he was going to train his apostles that when he died, they were going to carry on. So not only was he going to perform the miracles, he was preparing his apprentices, and he was going to be preaching to the people, and he's going to be challenging the people, and he fasted before he did that. But, but, but why did Jesus have to fast? He knew the word better than anybody. But he did it. So if he did it, maybe I ought to do it too. Okay? Another thing you find Jesus, he's always praying. Chapter 6 and verse 12. In those days, he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus, you said you and God were one. Well, the God part of him was God, but the man part of him still needed to be close to him. And the way you get close to someone is you communicate with them, and he was communicating with God. The God-man, the 100% man, was praying to God. And I go again. Well, if Jesus, who knew the Bible perfectly, fasted, maybe I ought to fast. If Jesus depended on God with prayer, maybe I ought to pray more. If you look at him, he prayed before his ministry. He prayed at the end of his ministry. He prayed for He preached. He prayed after he preached. He prayed before he taught his disciples. He prayed with his disciples. And he prayed as he sent his disciples out to start their apprenticeship. He prayed all the time. He was addicted to prayer. You're telling me Jesus was addicted? Yeah, he was addicted to prayer. Okay? Covet those good gifts. And then one more. Chapter 7, 38, 39. Jesus Christ was um, invited to dinner by a Pharisee. And he went into the house and this woman, I don't, I don't understand, I'm trying to understand how this would happen. Some woman off the street just went, walked right into the house and came up behind the seat where Jesus was seating and, and started doing these things. Behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with his tears, this is the woman, and wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. The Pharisee which had bidden him spake within himself... <laughs> This is reading minds again, right? I can't do that. If this man were a prophet, he would have known what manner of woman toucheth him, for she was a sinner. This is the hard part. Okay, I get that trying to grow in favor with man and God. I get that where Jesus fasted, maybe I ought to fast. I get that where he prayed, maybe I had to pray. But Jesus ministered and touched 
and ate with the quote-unquote sinners. If Jesus did it, maybe I ought to do it too. And that's exactly what happened here. So this God-man came down from earth. Now you're thinking, oh, I would never. I got news for you. If you would never, Jesus would never with you. Because you're that sinner. You just look sideways, and you might be just a notch ahead in one area, but I guarantee you there's another area called pride that you're a notch below. Right? And you know what? He communes with you. So maybe if Jesus communes with sinner, maybe we ought to commune with sinners. Amen? Okay. Let's go. And I want to read one more passage. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me? I want to read this one account. I'm going to read about a dozen verses. Let's start at verse 28. Luke 1 and verse 28. The angel came into her, this is Mary, and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. In other words, what's this angel talking about? And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Well, that sounds kind of crazy. I'm going to do this. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Think about that phrase right there. I can understand how a man can come to the earth and it can be a boy and it can have a name called Jesus. I get all that. But how is it going to sit on a throne forever? There's only one way. Because it's going to be not a man, it's going to be the God-man. 100% God, 100% man. Verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know no man? And the angel said, answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. You are not going to have a regular old baby boy. I got baby boys. I got a couple baby girls. Now I got baby grandboys and a baby grandgirl. I love them all. But they're just still old, mortal, regular old babies. She was going to have a special baby. This baby was going to be a God baby. Turned into a God teenager and turned into a God man. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth. Okay, we'll go down there. And she says, how can this be? Verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Wow. That's pretty amazing, huh? Well, that's the God we worship That's the God we give thanks for. That's the God that intercedes for us. That's the God who came to earth. That's the God who lived on this planet. Yeah, as a man, he worked. He sweated. 
Probably had to take a shower, got hungry, had to rest. That part of him, I get that part. But the other part of God, where he can calm the elements and have control over unclean spirits and know the word backward and forward, I don't get that. I don't get that. But I believe it. Because if it hadn't happened, I would still be in my sin. So praise the Lord that God came down and humbled himself, became man for 33 years. You know, in, in reality, that's not that long. 33 years, right? But now he's on the right hand of God, sitting, interceding for us, the God-man. And as he prays, I don't get it. I don't get it. But I'm thankful for it. Share that experience. I don't know how to do it. But it'll make a difference in your life. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.